All right. This morning, as we begin a new study, we are going to look at really this topic of biblical theology. So that's what the study over the next uh, several weeks will be. Biblical theology. So you might ask the question, what is that? Which is a good question to ask. Usually, uh, when we think about doctrines on Wednesdays, we have studied things like the Holy Spirit. We've studied things like Jesus and the atonement and a couple of other things, the attributes of God uh, on Wednesdays. And so usually those studies are what's called systematic theology, where we basically look at the summary of all the Bible teaches on, say, the Holy Spirit. And we just summarize it and we see what it says. Biblical theology is the idea of tracing an idea throughout the Bible. So not necessarily a summary statement up front, but how is it that certain things develop and grow and the ideas, the truth grows on top of itself as we go through the Bible. Uh, so that sounds more complicated than it is, so I'm going to try to get into examples quickly. Uh, I'll give one example this morning, and then most of the study will really just be looking at examples and thinking about this idea, because biblical theology, if you want it in one phrase, biblical theology is how the Bible fits together. That's really what it's about, how the Bible fits together. Uh, Michael Lawrence, he wrote a book, and he defines it like this. Biblical theology is the attempt to tell the whole story of the whole Bible as Christian scripture. And so the key words in that are story, that the Bible is a development, and we see it developing throughout the Bible. And then Christian, that the whole Bible is telling one story, and it's a Christian story. It's a story about Christ about Jesus. The whole Bible is pointing to him. So as we start out this morning, uh, I want to start with really the idea that the Bible is written first by people and also by God. I know we've thought about this before. You probably are familiar with this, but it's an important place to start. So I want to look at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. And it says this about the scripture. 2 Peter 1, 20, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right, so how do we get the Bible? The Holy Spirit carried along or moved the writers of Scripture, and they wrote it down. So the Bible is written by people, but it's also written by God. So it's not just a collection of 66 books written by 66 or so, it's not exactly 66, but 66 or so different people, right? But it's one book with one storyline, so to speak, because it has one divine author. God wrote the Bible. It's not just people and then we collect everything they wrote, but God himself 
wrote the Bible. And we see this clearly if you were to turn over to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16. You're probably familiar with this verse. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so all Scripture, not just some of it, not just the parts in the Old Testament where it says, thus says the Lord, but all of it, all of Scripture, every word is breathed out by God. It's God's word. And so it's one, one book, not just a collection of books, but one book with one overarching story. So it's not surprising to us then that as we read the Bible, we really find the greatest piece of literature ever written. Uh, and it's also not surprising to us that when we open the Bible, we don't just get a summary statement about what we're supposed to do. It's not like a manual. You know, you open up your car manual and you flip to the section about tire pressure or about what kind of oil your engine takes, right? And then you, you know what you're supposed to do. That's not how the Bible works. It's not just a, a manual about this thing that we're supposed to do in life or about what Jesus is like, so to speak, and you flip to this section to find it. It's not just a manual in that sense. But it really is an, a book that doesn't give us all the facts right up front, but builds and expands on truths as we go throughout the Bible. So we end up getting the full picture of God and his truth as we read from beginning to end, uh, which is another reason why it's important to read the whole Bible. But that becomes especially clear when we think about how the Bible centers around Jesus. So we actually looked at this a little bit on Sunday. But if you want to turn there, we're going to look at Luke chapter 24. So this is really central to the idea that the Bible is one book and it's about Jesus. What is the Bible about? It's about Jesus. And so we look at Luke chapter 24. And if you look at verses 26 and 27, this is the road to Emmaus, and Jesus is ex explaining to these disciples on the road to Emmaus. <clears throat> he says this, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so we see here that really all the Bible is about Jesus, that we see from beginning to end, this is the message of the Bible. And so you can go even down in the same chapter, chapter 24, down to verses 44 through 47, uh, where Jesus says the same thing, basically. He says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so we see Jesus saying that if you go back all the way to the beginning, to the, the writings of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, there are things about Jesus in those books of the Bible. If you go to the Psalms, the Psalms are focused really 
not just about David, but about Jesus. If you look at the history narratives, you look at the prophets, they're about Jesus. They point us to Jesus, not just about Israel and what they're doing. This is what Jesus said, and uh, I think it's safe to say when Jesus tells us how to read the Bible, we should pay attention to it, and we should follow his lead, which is just a good example, really. When we see the New Testament talking about what the Old Testament means, we should probably follow their example because it is the divine interpretation, so to speak, of the entire Bible. So, God doesn't start the Bible by telling us, first page, Genesis 1-1, about Jesus, who he is, what he's going to do, why he's important. Right? You have to read more than halfway through the Bible before the name Jesus is even mentioned. I guess you could say Joshua is mentioned in, you know, the first five books. But Jesus is not mentioned until Matthew, right? The name Jesus. But he's there far before that. And the Bible is focused on him. And so if we're, Jesus says, if we're paying attention in the Old Testament, we're not just learning about these other things. We're actually learning about Jesus. So some examples of this. When we see the seed of the woman in Genesis 3 going to crush the head of the serpent, that's a little picture of the gospel and what Jesus is going to do when he comes to earth and crushes the power of Satan on the cross. When we read about the son of David sitting on the throne forever in 2 Samuel 7, that's not just talking about Solomon, that's talking about Jesus, the king who will reign forever. Or we could look at the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 as also pointing us to Jesus and what he is going to do, right? And so all these passages point to Jesus those aren't the only places in the Old Testament that point us to Jesus. That's really what we're going to do in this study. If we're going to look at, really, I'm going to try to cover each genre of the Bible. So each section of the Old Testament, the, the Pentateuch, the law, we're going to look at the history, the Psalms, Proverbs, the prophecies. We're going to look at the Gospels. We're going to look at the epistles in the New Testament and see how do all these things point us to Jesus, connect us to Jesus. And so there are really lots of ways we see the Old Testament point us to Jesus, and Jesus tells us, hey, if we're reading it the right way, then we'll see Jesus as we read through the entire Bible, not just the Gospels in the New Testament. And this really is a, uh, a good thing for us, because if we know Jesus, we know everything else that we need to know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why is it that Jesus is the central message of the Bible? It's not necessarily the Holy Spirit or the other elements of the Trinity, although the Trinity is central. I don't want to make it sound like we're just focused on Jesus. But the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus, right? He reveals Jesus to us. Uh, it's not necessarily even the message of salvation that's central to the Bible, but Jesus himself, the one who brings salvation to us, is the central message of the Bible. So if we know Jesus, we know God and what he is like. He's the revelation of God to us. If we know Jesus, we know what salvation is because we know what he did on the cross for us. Really, if by focusing on Jesus, we 
they know everything, every truth that we need to know because he is uh, God himself and he is the one who brings salvation and all the goodness of God to us. And so it really is a marvelous thing that the Bible centers on in Jesus. So here's, here's an example. Uh, that's kind of an overview introduction. This is what biblical theology is. Hopefully that's exciting to you to think about. Uh, hopefully this example will get you more excited about this topic and what we're going to do during this study. So I want to start with the example of Samson in the Old Testament. We're not going to read the whole passage. It's several chapters. If you want to look at it, it's from Judges chapter 13 through 17. You're probably kind of familiar with the storyline of Samson, right? But uh, some of this example comes from a biblical theology curriculum that's put out by uh, a church in Washington, D.C., uh, which has been really helpful to me, and so I'm sure I'll draw from it again. I'm sh I just want to make sure I cite them. So, you know, this isn't all original with me, at least not this example. But when you think about the, the story of Samson and what's going on, right, with Samson, you think about how Samson is talked about. He tears the lion apart with his bare hands, right? He kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, he's, he's really a favorite amongst strapping young men who wants a courageous hero, right? Uh, this is Samson, but he's got a lot of flaws too with him as well. We know the story of Samson and Delilah as well as other escapades and really just foolishness that Samson shows during his life. But here's the question, and this, this is an important question to us. How, or maybe I should ask it this way, will teaching about Samson killing a thousand Philistines with a jawbone cause people to be saved? That's really the question before us. Because we want to, well, we know from 1 Peter that we're saved, we're born again by the word of God. That's what 1 Peter says. We're born again by the living, abiding word of God, uh, specifically the word of salvation. But if all of the Bible is pointing to Jesus, then we should be able to talk about Samson and get to Jesus. He should point us to Jesus. It's not just hey, this is how you should be courageous in your life, or these are some dumb things that you should not do, right? We can learn that from Samson. We should learn that from Samson. But that's not exactly a Christian message, right? Because that has nothing to do with Jesus. Uh, a Muslim could look at the Bible and see, hey, here's some things you shouldn't do, and here's an example of someone who was courageous in following their God. Maybe I should be like that. Or... Any secular person could get those same examples from the story of Samson. So what makes this an actual Christian message that leads people to be born again? Well, as we read about things like Samson, and we think about it properly in the, in the sense that we connect it to Jesus, then we, we think about Samson and how he's He's really a type of Christ, an Old Testament picture of what Jesus will be like. Because what is he? He's a, he's a God-appointed judge 
who has remarkable power through the Holy Spirit, and he's handed over to the enemy of God's people for the purpose of rescuing God's people, right? We see all those things as what Jesus does. Jesus is the ultimate judge. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He rescues God's people by being destroyed by his enemies, right? We could think about Samson's story and how it it teaches us about the character of God, his patience with his people, right? God continually is patient with the people of Israel, sending them judges. He's patient with the judges of Israel, even though his people are really determined to sin and God will judge sin, right? The story teaches us about our need for a savior and for a need for a judge who's not going to disappoint us uh, like many of the judges in the Old Testament did, right? You could think about Samson and his, his strength, right? How he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, but really that just reminds us not just of the deliverance we need, but of a greater deliverer. Right? And it reminds us of really how amazing it is of what Jesus did when he came, when he delivered us. Uh, I mean, Revelation talks about Jesus on the last day and how he, the sword will go out from his mouth and will destroy all his enemies. Right, The deliverance that Jesus brings is going to be more complete, more long-lasting than any deliverance that Samson brought because... What happened after Samson? The people just returned right back to their ways and they were in captivity to another people and they needed deliverance again. Well, the deliverance of Jesus is greater than that. Samson's death also really shows us a picture of Jesus, connects us to Jesus because you remember how he died, right? He was in the temple. His eyes had been gouged out by the enemies and he pulled down the building on himself, but also on everyone else there. And he killed thousands of the Philistines in that moment, thousands of the enemy. And that was greater than any victory he had during his life. So in his death, he delivered and defeated the enemies of God's people. Right? It's not hard to make that connection. When you see that, when you think about it in that way, and that's really what is happening there in Judges. It's not hard to connect that to Jesus because in his death, he delivers us from the enemy through his death. But even in that, you see the betterness of Jesus, right? Samson was there partly because he was foolish, because he wasn't uh, acting and following God the way he should have been. But Jesus didn't get tricked into going onto the cross. He didn't get uh, swindled into it. It wasn't because of his foolishness. He went there humbly and on purpose, in order to deliver people through his death. And so as you think about Samson, really, these are some ways, and there's lots of ways, I think, as you know, you could see in this example, there's lots of ways that this connects us and points us to Jesus. And that's really what biblical theology is. It's about not just getting focused on each individual story in the Bible, but remembering that it connects, that it's all a part of the main story, which has Jesus as the focus. And that's really what preaching the Bible as a Christian or reading the Bible as a Christian is about, is remembering that all this is about Jesus. It's not just how can I live a better life or what are the 
10 things I need to do to make my marriage better or how to be patient or how to not get uh, over-involved with women and make stupid decisions like Samson, right? Although those things are helpful, but it points us to Jesus and how he is the ultimate judge, the ultimate deliverer, the ultimate savior. And so that's really what the Christian message is about, what reading the Bible as a Christian is about, because the Bible is about Jesus. And so that's one example. Uh, That's essentially what we'll be doing throughout this study. We'll be looking at examples like that, and we'll be also looking at some themes as well that are traced throughout the Bible. 